0: Today on the D-Dub Talk, Andy Reid has got something to say about the city of Philadelphia. We look at the aftermath of the UNC-Duke football game, as well as other games in college football. We review uh, week four of the NFL. Take a look at the MLB playoffs for a quick moment. And then we preview college basketball, the first conference, the Big 12. But first... It's tip-off time on the Dean Dumb Talk. And before we get started, I'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, Andrew and I would love to grow this podcast even more. So please do us a favor. Share this with your friends, your family. Let's get the word out there that this is the best UNC podcast out there. Enjoy the podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Dean Dome Talk. I am Gaddy. Joining me is Andrew. Hey, everyone. And... um we're a little bit late this week's episode but uh this weekend's episode shouldn't be too late either but let's go ahead and just let's just jump straight into things a little bit of quick fire facts mm-hmm. uh first thing I kind of want to talk about is uh that alabama's mascot dressed up as president loki now mm-hmm. before you just dis- before you get confused about this uh this is a reference to a character from all the big Marvel movies that uh, have been going on. Also, the series, the Disney Plus series, Loki, also it refers to the Norse god of mischief. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during the game this past weekend, uh, was it versus old Miss, I believe? Yeah. Uh, on the sidelines was this elephant... With weird horns, not going like downward, but on its head like a crown, and someone mm-hmm. button on it, button on the side that read in big letters "Loki." Loki. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like I don't know. This is some sort of reference to uh, Loki. Yeah, uh, but that wasn't the first occurrence of this because. <laughs> other mascots, I believe the Atlanta Braves had something going on with this. but more, Yeah. But um, more uh, akin to the uh, Disney Plus series was that the mascot for the Florida Gators was seen wearing (laughs) the Loki crown (laughs) in reference to Alligator Loki, a character that appears in the show itself in the show loki itself i highly recommend that show it is really cool it's really funny yeah uh very very well made um but yeah it's just i don't know really what inspired the alabama to do this like i can understand like florida doing this because there's literally um alligator loki in the show but i guess Mm. elephant loki now president loki you know yeah okay <laughs>
1: i mean that's i I think it's cool i think it's yeah, cool tying yeah. pop culture you know yeah, yeah. um next up th-
0: there's just a quote that only andy reed could have said about <laughs> the city of philadelphia <laughs> at, and the philly eagles um you know let's just go with it quote there wasn't a cheesecake there that i didn't like and
1: cheesecake yeah oh my gosh i mean you know philly cheesesteaks are good you know i mean yeah like like anytime you toast the bread and like have melty
0: cheese like that's just an automatic i'm just buying straight into it okay it's hard to mess up melting cheese and toasty bread you know right right no it's it's hard but then you add steak Um, to it onions hmm. some people love mushrooms add a little bit of mayo in there yeah yeah it's not something you should eat if you're on a diet, but I, I, I know I, I I've been up to Philly once and I made sure I did not leave that city before I got to Philly and it was pretty good. So the real question,
1: Pats or Gina's?
0: I don't know. I didn't have I didn't have the uh time to go to either one of them. So oh, really? I can't I really, really judge. Know. No, yeah. there's a there's a place in um Reading Market, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in downtown Philly. I mean, there's I think there's a few places in there that was making Phillies, but there's just one of them I grabbed the Philly from quickly, uh, in between other stuff I was Mm -hmm. doing, and I I like it. It's it's like I said, it's really hard to mess it up, right, right. But um, third third on our little docket of stuff to talk about, it's a pretty big one. Uh, There's not going to be any any NBA talk today, but we do have to mention this, Pau Gasol the two-time NBA champion, the six-time NBA All-Star, and the Rookie of the Year in 2002 is retiring from basketball. And I believe the Lakers are going to retire his number 16 jersey. Um, he, Of course, Paul Gasol played with Kobe between 2008 and 2014 on the Lakers. Um, and yeah such a good player
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah, no, yeah there's yeah. there's really not much else to say about that about him he, just really really good a legend uh, he actually played for mm. FC Barcelona not the soccer team but the basketball mm. team it's the same basketball organization team. but yeah it's the basketball team for them uh, the soccer mm. team for Barcelona is an absolute garbage right now. They're a whole wreck that I could spend an hour talking about, but it would just be me saying they're really bad from top to bottom, management's team and everything, uh, just over and over again. So I'll just spare you that conversation and just get back Mm -hmm. to the point is just saluting Pau Gasol. What a career. What a player. Wishing the best in retirement.
1: Yeah, I'm reading online that uh, he was the first non-american to win the nba rookie of the year really yeah and you think about it now like i don't know how many non uh, nba non-american players have won the rookie of the year recently but at least there are a lot that that seem to compete for it um i mean i know Doncic won recently i don't know i don't know how about how many others but kind of that start of the era of international players having a big impact on the nba
0: yes definitely
1: and uh no. that really wraps up our
0: quick fire facts uh not too much this time but mm-hmm. let's just go ahead and go ahead and just dive right on in to the big game of the weekend well at least the big game for us unc versus yep. duke at home in keenan stadium
1: yes uh, you,
0: yeah. you were actually there. I'll let you take the lead on
1: this. Yes, I was there. I was yeah. there. Um, I watched the Battle of the Victory Bell. Um, it's, for, for those of you who don't know, um, the winner of the team gets, or, or winner of the game between Duke UNC gets this trophy, which is like, it's a real bell, and it's on kind of a, you know, thing you can call, it's like a cart. It's a cart, cart, it's a cart with yeah. a bell on it, Yeah, yeah. And it used to be that the winning team they'd run out there and start spraying the um um uh, start spraying it the winning team's colors. Although recently they stopped doing the spray paint stuff because um when UNC beat Duke well, a few years back, um it's been a little while now, they they won in like at Duke and they spray paint painted more than just <laughs> the bell. Um and so they've stopped doing the spray band. But still, it's a cool thing. You, know, you roll out, everyone goes up and rings the bell. Um, it's always fun to beat Duke. And this makes it three years in a row that we've beaten Duke. Sam Howell is 3-0. and And most likely, since Sam Howell is most likely going to be going pro, Howell will finish as 3-0 and against Duke, which is, which is big. Because before Sam Howell, Duke had won five of the last seven games. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah, that was really rough. Um, so nice to win. It was. It was actually like the score will make it seem like it was not a good game. The final score was thirty-eight to seven. That first for half a while there. That first Yeah, half that first was, wasn't mm-hmm. very convincing. Yeah, that um, it it was. It wasn't until very late in the first quarter um, that UNC scored f- for the first time. You know, it was like both Duke and UNC had had the ball two times. Both of us had punted on both of our two possessions. And then we get the ball, um, and then there is a amazing 75-yard touchdown pass to Ty Chandler. Amazing pass. Crowd went wild. And that was basically the end of the quarter because that touchdown was with seven seconds left in the quarter. So great way to end the quarter go into the second half. Duke gets the ball on their own 18, and they actually start moving. They get down onto UNC's side of the field at the UNC 40, so going from their own 18 to the UNC 40. They're making progress, and this is the point where I think really changed the game, because Duke looked like they were going to be going down and have a chance at scoring. Instead, their quarterback was sacked um, by Kevin Hester Jr., and then He fumbled the ball. Trey Morrison runs in, picks it up, and returns it all the way to the end zone for a touchdown. And really from that point on, UNC controlled the game. Duke didn't have enough firepower to to keep up with us at that point. And, you know, we started getting some momentum. We scored again in the second quarter. You know, drove down the field a nice, nice seven play 62 yard drive ending with a two yard touchdown pass from cm howell to kamari morales which it's nice to see morales get involved um he i feel like he hasn't been involved too much so it's good good to see him involved And it's also nice to see Sam howell throw like those shorter touchdown passes because you know he's known for these deep bombs so kind of showing off his skill set, right he can he can play in the red zone um Although, I mean, Duke started started the second half out strong. They had a 80-yard touchdown pass on their first play of the second quarter to make it 24-7. to seven. And then UNC's next possession, we didn't really do anything. Duke held us to punt, um, although our defense stepped up then. And that was really the, the, the key, in my opinion, the key of, of the game. When Duke started making progress, UNC's defense stepped up. So the first time, you know, Duke starts driving down the field to try to respond to UNC's first touchdown, we cause a fumble that we return for a touchdown. Then Duke starts off the second half scoring a touchdown, forcing our offense to not do anything, but then we, um, we intercept their quarterback. Cameron Kelly got an interception. Later, we stopped them. Um, Duke was driving down the field in the third quarter. They got the fourth and two at UNC's 30, and we stopped them, did not let them complete that fourth down conversion, turnover on downs. Again, later in the fourth quarter, we force a fumble. So really, like, for me, even though, you know, we scored 38 points, and statistically, like, Sam Howell, um, 321 yards, three touchdowns. That sounds great. Zero interceptions, too. That sounds great. I, I think people are going to forget how good the defense played.
0: Yeah, def- definitely. Um, I, part of it, I think, though, is that Duke didn't really have the tools on defense to really harass yeah. Sam Howell. Yeah. Like, w- we've seen already this season, if a team has the tools to dis- – pressure and rush sam howell they're Mm -hmm. gonna win the game because sam howell doesn't have the time to win the game for unc but teams that don't have that they're helping sam howell has all the time he'll need to just prey on uh on the defense and wear them down with long passes short passes he'll run himself hand it off to somebody Mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you give him the time he'll do it
1: right and it wasn't that our offensive line played great. Like, frankly, the first quarter I was watching was like, "Good grief! Like, is it going to be this again?" Um, Duke was putting some pressure on us, but they they didn't have enough talent to sustain that pressure for the whole game. And so a couple individuals had good games. I mean, namely Dwayne Carter for Duke. No, not Dwayne Carter as in Little Wayne. Um, there is a Duke <laughs> player called Dwayne Carter that has no rel- relation to the Dwayne Carter that we know as Little Wayne. But he had uh, one and a half sacks for Duke. But the rest of the team wasn't able to consistently put that pressure. And then once Sam Howell got in a rhythm, you know, hard to stop. Although I will say there were a few throws by Howell that just, like, were just off. You know, like, he he didn't, despite the amount of yards and then the touchdown to interception ratio he clearly wasn't at the top of his game, which it's nice to know that we can still win without him. And he can still put up good numbers without him being at the top of his game, but still, you know, something to consider. Yeah. Um,
0: I remember seeing some some people trying to predict that Duke was going to win this game. Mm-hmm. Because, and like, when, when you looked at it on paper, UNC had a worse record at 2-2 two and two than Duke, who was 3-1. and And yeah. they were like, Ooh, look out, you know, look out. Put some money into Duke winning uh versus UNC. But mm-hmm. yeah. no, the, just the offensive tools UNC has are way too good yeah. for Duke to yeah. even stand a chance.
1: Yeah. And speaking of the offensive tools, Josh Downs had an amazing, amazing oh, game. Yeah. Like, he's a sophomore now. now. He um, you know, last year he showed this flashes of potential. Um, but this year he's really having himself a year 168 yards against Duke. that that's awesome that's awesome for a receiver so i was very excited about that because he i think he's going to be here a while well he's definitely going to be here the rest of this year and next year because you know you can't leave until after your third year but it's nice to know that we're this guy's starting to turn into a reliable receiver yeah yeah so where does that put us for florida state then I mean, the thing is, is Florida State finally won a football game. They were zero and four going into, um, going into last week, and I forget who they beat, but they they beat some team that was actually an ACC team to make them one and four. But it's at UNC. UNC's weapons are 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 good, and we remember we're probably going to be remembering last year that loss to Florida state last year near the beginning of the season really hurt us. They beat Syracuse 30, -30. they beat. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Close game. Yeah. So I, I I just think, uh, I mean, um, they lost to Notre Dame 38
0: to 41. They Mm -hmm. lost to J who's JSU. Um, Jacksonville state. Yeah. Yeah. They lost by three points. They got doubled by wake forest they lost by a touchdown and a two-point conversion to louisville Mm -hmm. they won versus syracuse like i think despite their record they're stronger than they are than like the record shows this might be tricky
1: yeah it'll be tricky we have to make sure to go in there with the right mindset right i mean they're coming to to us yeah they're good and mac brown has had trouble with florida state in the past so we need to make sure that we go in with the right mindset instead of going and saying oh good we have a team that is not having a good season what we need to do instead is say oh we are playing this team that upset us last year we need to be mad and like make things right for what we did not do last year yeah. If we have that attitude, we win. If we take them lightly, it's going to be a challenge. We can't
0: let them stay close to us because right, if they right. sniff the opportunity, they're gonna, they're gonna try.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, definitely.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think we're starting eighteen point favorites. Was that? I think that's what uh, I saw. Oh, really? Okay. I yeah. I, no, I, no, no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's gonna. I think it's gonna be much closer than that. I think it's yeah. gonna be a, like a fairly close game, one touchdown game or something.
1: I can see it being that. and people forget Mackenzie Milton from Florida State. he's a good QB. Um, teams not look good. flor I mean, this gosh, we could have a whole episode on Florida State because they used to be a dominant national powerhouse program. them and Miami, um which I mean by the way, Miami's having a very surprising bad year. But Florida State, it's been now a few years in a row where they've looked really, really bad. Um, when like they they used to be the the like the team that people feared. I mean, everyone playing at Florida State is has always been such a difficult thing. Um, they, yeah, I mean, I, I I could talk a while about how how great of a program they used to have and how bad they've. They've been recently, but you know, yeah, yeah. We, we can go into that another day. They they need to fix things, and there's a question as to whether or not Mike Norvell, their coach, is the right guy to fix things. Like they were three and six last year. They started out zero and four this year. That's r- really bad by Florida State standards. Although they don't want to then fire another coach because of you know what that shows because their last coach uh will willie taggart he only spent two seasons before he was fired and then the coach before that uh actually i think the coach before that was jimbo fisher but still like they don't want to have to go on to a third post jimbo fisher coach so soon
0: yeah you don't want that merry-go-round so yeah not gonna understand that yeah i guess uh we should probably move on to the rest of college football unless you have something to add. Yeah.
1: On. No, no, yeah. The rest of college football. Um, so Arkansas came back down to earth this past weekend. They were demolished by Georgia, thirty-seven-zero. Arkansas was number eight in the country going into the game. Georgia was number two. Oh man, that yeah. that, that
0: is that is so like Arkansas at this point I have ambitions. Yeah, about, and that
1: that just ended it. That just ended the right, right. Um, it, it it was a way of saying like, hold on. S- y'all. Getting like, nilled
0: or scoring mm-hmm. nothing, nothing is terrible. Like losing to Georgia, okay, but yeah. get, scoring nothing, it just that just ends your season, really.
1: Oh, definitely. And like and, you know, and they'll have good opponents in the future where if if they beat them, they can. Well, first off, most people predicted them to be a very bad team this year. I mean, I, I know I did, but <laughs> um, they, I, I predicted them to be really bad. Um, but they've shown that this rebuild with Sam Pittman is, is going well. Um, I'm actually looking right now. The preseason media polls had them sixth out of seven teams in their division. They are looking a lot better than that. Now that that loss was awful, but you know they they need to have a strong showing this week. Which I'll kind of jump into the next topic and explain how that ties into uh, next next week's game for Arkansas. But number one, Alabama destroyed number twelve Ole Miss. Um, Ole Miss was another team that you know people were saying, "Oh gosh, look, they are they're on the up and up." Lane Kiffin is getting them to do things the right way they were 3-0 and they hadn't beaten anyone good but they were scoring at crazy rates on offense and there was this hope that Ole Miss could go on the road at Alabama and put up a fight although they got blown out 42 to 21 so doubled up on and that's what Nick Saban does to his ex-assistants which Lane Kiffin was one of Nick Saban's assistants. So both Ole Miss and Arkansas, both teams who rose high in the rankings, both teams got humbled by losing big to SEC powerhouses. Now they are playing each other this weekend in Ole Miss. Oh. Arkansas Arkansas's number 13 in the country. Ole Miss is number 17 in the country. And it's going to be a season. that de- I think that's going to be a season-defining game for both teams. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. The winner is going to walk away saying, "Okay, that one loss that we had last week, it was because it was to a team that might win the championship. We are still a very good team." Exactly. The loser, yeah, the loser is going to walk away saying, "Okay, we we had a hot start, but we're falling back to earth now." So that's a game everyone should circle on their calendars. Turn it on. Huge impact on the rest of the season for these two teams.
0: I mean, I'm looking up at these other matchups. That you mm-hmm. that you have uh, picked out and they're pretty big too.
1: Yeah, Oklahoma, Oklahoma they're Texas.
0: Oh yeah. my gosh, That's how is hilarious. Texas still ranked? How is Texas still ranked?
1: I mean, their only loss was to Arkansas, and then Arkansas went in. Um, I mean, started four zero, right? And they Arkansas beat Texas A and M, so. People are saying, okay, well, maybe that loss to Arkansas is not that bad. Plus, Texas—they beat Texas Tech seventy to thirty-five in a conference game a couple weeks ago. Um, so Texas is showing that they have a lot of potential. It's just putting the pieces together because they're a fir- they're under Steve Sarkisian, who is in his first year as the head coach. This. Again, yeah, like Gaddy said, that's a huge game because it's one of the biggest rivalries in college football. Oklahoma wants to make the playoffs. They feel like they have the talent to do so. But what's been wrong with them is that all of their games have been way too close. You know, they've they've been winning. But it's just been all to it's you're people. not winning hard enough in the eyes of the committee i guess right right because you know there are a lot of undefeated teams still i mean i don't know if a lot's the right word but there are plenty of undefeated teams still and when you know oklahoma they only beat Tulane by five they only beat nebraska by seven only beat west virginia by three only beat k-state by six like all these close games credit to them for winning but these are not teams that are supposed to be like. None of those teams were top twenty-five going into the game, and none of them are right now. So there is that concern of, okay, will they fall off? It's a huge, huge game, huge game. Yeah, um, two other huge ones too. Next weekend, number two Georgia at number eighteen Auburn, rivalry game. Um, and it's always a fun rivalry. Auburn's a tough place to play. Plus, Auburn is starting to feel good, right? Bo Nix, I told you at the beginning of the year, I believe in him, although he got benched a little bit earlier. And then he did something that very few Auburn quarterbacks have been able to do. He won at LSU last week. For reference, Auburn LSU, yeah, they play in the same division, so they play each other every year. Auburn has not won at LSU since 1999. Oh, yeah, yeah
0: that that that's that's a record breaker you want if you're the Auburn quarterback.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So he he regained that role as starter, um, and like put doubts aside. He could even further put doubts aside if he can beat Georgia. I think it's too tough of a test for Auburn, but still like riding that momentum of being able to win at Death Valley. We it, Auburn could keep it closer than people think. Although I could also see Georgia kind of running away with it. Big game. And then lastly, number four, Penn State at number three, Iowa this week. That game. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I am so excited for that. That is –
0: that's man. a blockbuster right there.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I mean, oh, man, I just – you get goosebumps thinking about it. Both teams are starting to prove like, hey, we can we can compete for the playoffs, which Penn State thought they could at the beginning of the year. And maybe some Iowa fans thought they could as well. But um, I was impressed more than people thought. And the thing is, they're in different divisions. So it's possible that they could meet again later in the Big Ten championship game if both of them have su- success to finish out their season but this is the kind of game that later in the year when the playoff committee is trying to decide who gets in or who doesn't whichever team wins they'll be able to say they beat a top four opponent
0: exactly
1: and depending on how close this game is like Mm -hmm. it it might
0: not matter who wins
1: right right yeah because if you can finish With this loss as your only loss, you have a strong argument. A close loss at
0: that. A close loss. Right. Yeah. A
1: close loss at that. um, Then you can argue that hey, we should we should still be included because one loss teams have made it before in the playoffs. Two loss
0: teams have. Remember Alabama. Alabama
1: has. No, I don't think they have. I don't think they have. I'm pretty sure Alabama,
0: two losses, has made it.
1: I don't think so. I'm pretty sure they haven't. No two-loss team yet. Uh, citation needed. Citation needed. <laughs> yeah. Uh. But uh, speaking of Iowa and Penn State at three-four, people need to watch out for the Big Ten because right now they have four teams in the AP top ten: Iowa three, Penn State four, Ohio State seven, and Michigan nine. They have the most teams in the eight in the top ten right now and michigan state's at number 11 so like almost five teams in the top 10 yeah but um on to other things talking about the top 25 clemson's not in the top 25 anymore the last time they were not in the ap top 25 was 2014 so some things are crumbling right there a, a lot of people on ESPN and on other media sites are saying, Oh my gosh, the Clemson dynasty is over. It just, everything's collapsing. Yeah. No. That, right. Cause they're still recruiting. Well, they're still in a, frankly, a bad conference. So they're still going to have like eat a lot of easy games in future years. And one bad year does not mean that you're, you're done for good. Right. So don't listen to what the media says. Clemson is looking bad this year and they might not win their division. But they're not gonna they're not over. It's not done. Like they still have Dabo Sweeney. Yeah,
0: they're allowed um, to have an off year after what they've had. Right, right. It's just like, in everyone... the past their off years have been stronger. This is a particularly mm-hmm. off off year.
1: Yeah, this is like a true off year. Like their yeah. past off years have been good years for other teams
0: yeah you usually have a tick tock sort of thing with a team and this yeah. is a very 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 deep talk <laughs> right right
1: definitely um but speaking of the acc one team in um clemson's division wake forest is five and oh can
0: they be yeah. caught
1: up to by Clemson? This yeah. can Clemson catch up? Really? They can because uh oh, Clemson only has one conference loss so far and they have Wake Forest and Clemson have not played each other. Plus that game's going to be at Clemson, but still the fact that Wake Forest is 5 and 0 and 3 of those wins have been conference wins, two of them division wins, that, like they're going to a uh, uh, they're going to make a run for the division title yeah i mean every the acc has
0: had a different division title or a different conference title winner every year for the
1: past for the uh for the coastal division or for, for the, the coastal, coastal division. division sorry yeah right. yeah Never mind. and now we might start to see some parody in the atlantic division because it's been dominated by clemson but yeah now now Wake forest is looking which, like, part of me wants to say, okay, you weren't really playing that good of teams. Um, but still, like, a Wake Forest would usually lose one or two of these games that they've been playing, where you would say, oh, Wake's supposed to win, but uh, they, they dropped that game or they dropped this game. Um, but they're they're playing consistently, and that is something that helps you as a, a lot as a football team so
0: uh, um, we got anything else here and uh in two two last football?
1: things two last things um uh quarterback haynes king of texas a&m had a this was a few weeks ago but i don't think we covered it he had a quote crack in his lower leg Ooh. um so he's been out and texas a&m has lost twice since he's been out so my predictions are going out the window for them because you know that happens um and actually no two more things after that kentucky beat number 10 florida and i want to say i predicted this i in my notes (laughs) i have written down that kentucky was going to win that game so i'm happy to see that that actually happens um i predicted it and kentucky's having a really good season um now unfortunately they're in a division with georgia so kentucky's not going to win their division but still they beat florida which is huge and then lastly, number 7 Cincinnati won at number 9 Notre Dame. That's big. That's, That's That huge. that eliminates Notre Dame. They I mean, Notre Dame has a tough schedule coming up, so they could, you know, possibly still make it. Um but it I think the more important thing is since Cincinnati is a group of 5 team, that that win on the road, put Cincinnati in a place where they can seriously argue to be the first group of five team to make the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, like, that that has huge implications. If Cincinnati can, you know, keep on winning like people think they can. Um, Let's keep because our most eye of on the time, them, What'd you say? Let's keep our eye on them then. Yeah, definitely keep our eye on
0: them. Uh, but that's college football for you quite exciting this weekend's gonna be real fun as well can't wait
1: mm-hmm.
0: i guess it's time to let's go pro what do you say okay let's pro. go pro yeah nfl okay. time
1: nfl time so the biggest news of the weekend was tom brady broke the record for passing yards yep on his return yeah.
0: home or home yeah
1: to a previous
0: home on his return to new england yeah.
1: yeah yes uh and that's only fitting like of course like you know the football gods did their work and made sure that he broke the record in New England um cuz like that's how it should just be just not right? for New England yeah but like you know it's it's New England fans feel happy about that right um so that was that was awesome hats off to him he it's just ridiculous how long of a career he has had yeah i mean He he takes care of his body. He's 44. He's 44. And he's still dominating the NFL. But, I mean, we we can go on Tom Brady ran for a long time. Everyone knows how good he is. So, you know, awesome that he was able to break break the record in New England. I know Patriots fans were excited to see that. But another thing of Patriots news, um, Stephon Gilmore, who – was a patriots corner back from 2017 to 2021 four-time pro bowler he was a super bowl champion 2019 defensive play of the player of the year has been traded to the panthers
0: yeah this broke just today uh, with news that uh initially the the patriots were going to uh, waive him but they, they at least removed them from um, their main squad, but then it came mm-hmm. out later that they're gonna trade him into the Panthers.
1: Man, I Man. mean, this
0: season just keeps getting better and better for for the Panthers. I mean, yes, losing to the uh, on the weekend to the Cowboys wasn't ideal. I think mm-hmm. we, I think Sam Donald has come back to earth a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I guess we can transition this to a little bit of a Panthers talk because. Last week the Panthers made a trade with Jacksonville, um, where where they've got CJ Henderson, uh 20, 20, ninth pick overall. Um and, mm-hmm. as, and also switch uh swapping uh, a 2022 fifth round pick to the Jaguars in exchange for a 3rd round pick. But the Panthers mm-hmm. also sent Dan Arnold, not Darnold, but Dan <laughs> Arnold, a tight end to Jacksonville. Apparently, mm-hmm. Matt Rule, head coach Matt Rule, was not happy with Arnold's lack of ability to block. As in, he's not really physically built for it. Mm-hmm. He's more like a receiver than a tight end. So, yeah. moving him on to Jacksonville was sort of ideal. Uh, mm-hmm. Also, the Panthers signed cornerback Rashad Melvin as well. And just today, another cornerback, Stefan Gilmore. There? Yeah, I, I like what's teams. going on here. The Panthers have been, you know, doing wheeling and dealing here, doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, a little bit under the radar, being three and one. I think three and one.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah no, three and one. Yeah,
0: three and one now with one division win. Exactly. Um, I don't know what to expect with this season. I can't tell, like. In my in my head, I'm thinking this is the Panthers overachieving right now. They're gonna come back down to earth, be like a 500 team or something, maybe go for the uh, wild card. But we're three and one right now. Yeah, yeah. So no, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm.
1: I just shoot shoot for the moon, see what happens. I mean, if you think about it, they. Because they were bad last year, they get a little bit easier of a schedule this year. So some of their games coming up, you know, Eagles, Giants, and the Falcons, those are three of the next four games. None of those teams are that good, right? Like, they could they could win three those three games. Um, now, they have a game against Minnesota in there, which Minnesota, their record's bad right now, but I think their record's not reflective of how they're doing. So, like, basically, they have three of their next four games, which – seriously look like games the panthers can win i mean yeah no they can make the playoffs and yeah yeah and those those t- those moves you talked about are big moves those defensive players that they got because the reason they lost to the cowboys the only reason that they're not four now it's not because their offense didn't play well enough their offense actually played pretty well putting up 28 points it's because they let in 36 points and they let Dak Prescott throw four touchdowns on them. Yeah, if you then two interceptions as well. Right, you know, and that's a problem, and you know that's something I've talked about before. Darnold, with the Jets and in college, had really um, he 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 gave up the ball way too often. Now, the three games before that, he was not giving up the ball like he used to. I'm hoping that the Cowboys game was just an anomaly, but. When you say, okay, if our defense would have done better then we would have won and then you go out and get good defensive players like the Panthers just did like I think Panthers fans have a reason to get excited. Hopefully.
0: Hopefully it's uh it's not in vain.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh but do tell me about the Browns.
1: The Browns, yeah. So they played the Vikings this past weekend. Um And the reason that's a big game is because the Browns head coach, Kevin Stefanski, was an assistant at the Vikings from 2006 to 2019. So he knows Minnesota very well. Minnesota fans, like they love him for like all the time he's put in there. And so it was a big game for him to be able to go back to basically the place that he was trained and get a win against his former team. They it, it wasn't a pretty game. It was fourteen to seven. Baker Mayfield looked awful. I mean absolutely awful. He was missing throws left and right, which is weird because going into the game, I wanna say he was in the top five in completion percentage. So that was a really off game, but thankfully the defense was able to put it together. And he was win. certainly
0: not top five in quarterback rating.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> definitely not. Um, So hopefully he, he – I'm hoping that was just a one-game thing because those first three games he was not playing as poorly. Like he was playing well those first three games. But big win for Stefanski. Also, it was nice. Like as a Browns fan, you know, and, and like other people around the league know, the Browns have a good pass rush built around Miles Garrett and Jadavion Clowney. But what happened in the Vikings game, we sent a lot of different blitzes that include either linebackers or defensive backs that pressured Kirk Cousins. And it was nice to see us take a different approach on defense to show teams like, hey, we're not locked into this one method of just like have Miles Garrett rush you and dominate you, which like is awesome when that happens. But four times when you... Double and triple team Miles Garrett. We have these other ways to put pressure on the quarterback, which is dangerous for you know, it, it makes the Browns dangerous. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the
0: Browns, after all the pain they've had to go through, it's nice to see the Browns actually have a team that's functional now.
1: Finally, oh, I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I watched every game of the one in 15 season, and then Hugh Jackson said. Basically, it's not going to get worse than this. And then the worse. next year, we went 0-16. <laughs> he tempted fate,
0: and fate blinked.
1: Yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. But um, in other news, the Bengals are 3-1. They're really surprising people. Yeah. Joe Burrow. We knew Joe Burrow was going to be good, but didn't realize that he was going to be playing at this level this fast. So I kind of so want to
0: link this in. Sorry, I kind of want to link this mm-hmm. into the uh, to the Bengals Jaguars game. Oh yeah, Thursday yeah. night football last week. Yeah, <laughs> it looked just like a college football game. All the <laughs> chaos and like clear indications that these people were not professional. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. The the fact of the matter is Jacksonville fought back. Or the, the mm-hmm. Bengals fought back. I, I you know, I, yeah. I, don't even remember who fought back. It's been the, It's been. It's been a week. Yeah. Uh, Cincinnati fought back. Sorry. Uh, yeah. The Jacks. I knew. I knew somebody fought back. Uh, Jacksonville ended the first half fourteen to zero up, and then wow. and then Cincinnati came back. It's like, uh, no, no, we're we're not going <laughs> to be shut out here. Scored fourteen yeah. points in the third, ten in the fourth, uh, with Jacksonville scoring a touchdown in the fourth, trying to. Come back at the very end of the game to no avail. Um, yeah, Trevor Lawrence in that game, uh, two hundred four yards, quarterback rating of eighty two point three, so not bad at all. Joe Burrow three hundred and forty eight yards, mm-hmm. uh, for a quarterback rating of seventy one. So Joe, Joe Burrow was a lot more productive in this yeah. game, and you could tell like they had to, they are it was an uphill battle for them. And uh, it it was a really it was a really cool game to watch. It just like I said, felt a lot more like college football than NFL football.
1: Yeah, the the Jaguars have quite some work to do. Yeah, they're not the most talented team in the league. Let's put it that way. No, they're not. Oh gosh, and Trevor Lawrence is realizing what it's like to lose. Not...
0: Yeah, yeah, to lose, <laughs> to
1: lose yeah four games in a row i don't think he had ever lost a regular season game in either high school or college nope did he before nope. going nope. to into the pros Nope. now he's lost four
0: yeah in a row yeah yeah i mean yeah. Law, the law of averages you know at this point yeah. he has to go like through like four seasons of losing every game to get back to 500 <laughs> or something
1: yeah, back to, yeah yeah so
0: uh so works. we'll see what happens We'll see that. Um, what else? What,
1: what else we got here? The oh, Jets won a game. game. Yes, they actually won a football against game against the Titans. I mean, what I mean, just what the heck? Um, and I, I, checked the box score. I was like, okay. So did Derrick Henry not play? And no, he did play. He had 157 yards. But so I, 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 I don't have anything I can say about this. Uh, I, the, the <laughs> I believe
0: the Titans were without Julio Jones.
1: Okay. Okay. That's um, a big.
0: I think the Titans have some injury issues. Last I checked, Julio Jones had, like, I don't remember if it was a hamstring or something else or a neck. It's either hamstring mm-hmm. or neck, one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Henry is also nursing a issue. The, those are your two primary scorers right there, and both mm-hmm. of them are not not at 100%, which is pretty bad.
1: Yeah, um, no, that is bad, yeah.
0: UNC alum Michael Carter scored a touchdown in that game for the
1: Jets.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. So uh, that's
1: really um, that's good. That's nice. Also, um, speaking of ex-UNC players, Javante Williams had a huge run, uh, a 31-yard run for the Broncos, where like he he bulldozed he did, some yeah,
0: people. He 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 trucked through everybody
1: it was yeah
0: if you remember last season Devontae Williams basically taking the ball and running through all the defenders by himself he yeah. did that but at the nfl level it was <laughs> quite the video quite the thing we watch uh, yeah this team this unc team right now misses him a lot oh, because I, I he, he was used to that. bail us out so hard he really the did situation he really did yeah um
1: yeah bills beat texans 40 to zero yeah um i'm not gonna rub it in on texans fans because like it, I-, I know they're pretty yeah bills no,
0: mr Trubisky actually had one play in this game i think he had one, oh, yeah? either i think it's one snap one pass attempt and it was a completion Quarterback Mm -hmm. rating of 99 or something. (sighs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm glad he's out of the toxicity that's the Bears, um, who just today (laughs) named Justin Fields quarterback, starting quarterback
1: for the year. That's a bold move by Matt Nagy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, Dalton is the better quarterback right now and the thing is the i feel like matt nagy's leash is very short like i wouldn't be surprised if he gets fired after this year if they don't make the playoffs so that's weird that they would go with not with the guy who is better right now but the guy who is um long term better
0: maybe he just knows he's fired and just tanking for a better pick
1: maybe maybe you know never know yeah um Last, last bit of NFL news, the Chargers beat the Raiders to go three and one and take the division lead, the AFC West. Um, And I'll I'll read to you the AFC West division standings, because I think you'll be, you'll be very surprised. First place, you have the Chargers at three and one. Um, And they, they lead the division based on tiebreaker, because next is the Denver Broncos, and then the Las Vegas Raiders, and at the bottom of their division is the Kansas City Chiefs. That is unusual. Very unusual. Very unusual. The Chargers beat the Chiefs um, a couple, uh, couple weeks ago, and that was huge. I mean, the Chiefs are going to bounce back because, like, one of those losses was by one point to the Ravens, and then you know Chargers are kind of in this upstart mode where they're starting to prove themselves and maybe the chiefs were not as prepared, but
0: yeah. I don't I think mean, the
1: chiefs defense has really showed up. Right. No, that's true. That's true. They've let up way too many points each game. Um, so pretty surprising They're at the bottom of their division, they'll bounce back and like, I'm, I'm sure they'll make the playoffs. Although part of this is like being good. The NFL their scheduling thing is um, – I don't know how they're doing it, exactly how they're doing it this year, but what it's always been, and it's going to be very similar this year, is that in the 16 games, you have six games in your division, four games against – like for the Chiefs, four games against an AFC division, um, a separate AFC division, four games against uh, an NFC division, and then what does that get you at? Fourteen?
0: um like And then that. two games
1: yeah. against teams from other divisions that were that finished in the same division place that you did. So like since the Chiefs won the division last year, those last two games are going to be against teams who won their own divisions. So it makes the Chiefs schedule a little bit harder than others. And I don't know what they do for the 17th game this year since this is the first year of 17 games, but that makes like it makes it a little harder for the Chiefs. So I'm looking at their schedule. It's like, oh, you got to play the Bills and then Easy game against Washington, and then you got to play the Titans. Easy against Giants, and then you got to play the Packers. Like, you know, they they do have a tough schedule. I mean, you say easy against
0: Giants, but the Giants beat the Saints in overtime, 27-21. Yeah. to 21. Um, The yeah. Giants forced OT by kicking a field goal at the end of regulation to make mm-hmm. it a uh, 21-21, or was it – I think so, 21-21. Uh, 21-21, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then um, – scored touchdown um mm-hmm. looks like they missed the extra point
1: no when in overtime when you scored a touchdown it ends oh, yeah. right there yeah four, yeah. Even.
0: yeah yeah so um, there we go
1: yeah um that was a surprise oh. Well go ahead sorry go ahead. no
0: no i was just about to say the giants being the saints was a surprise saints are really underperforming
1: mm-hmm. i agree with that they have a the narrative around the team the past few years is: we have the coach, we have the squad, right of all the players, and then we had Drew Brees, but we're we have um, Jameis Winston, Jason Tatum going forward for after Brees retires, and people were saying this is going to be a, a seam, not a seamless transition, but a good transition, and it's been a little bit more difficult than people. Imagined it to be.
0: Yeah, I I just kind of think that the uh, Saints have I think they've just grown out of that phase. They had their window and they missed it. Right, right. Or they just no, were, the there was that Minnesota miracle. I mean, they, they've been stifled a few times. So
1: yeah, the the bad. Um, also, that bad no call against. I, I forgot who it was, but. Um, where it should have been a pass
0: interference. Um, yeah, uh, I believe there was something against the Panthers or something, but it was yeah. pi against the Panthers that wasn't called, so it resulted in the Saints winning. But I don't know. Um, I think we can put the bow tie on the NFL this week.
1: What do you oh, say? Oh, but I forgot one last team. Okay, one, last one more thing. That, All right, the, the, and I'm sorry to drag on, but no, the Ravens. As much as I dislike the Ravens, some they did something oh, amazing. Oh yeah, I completely forgot. Um, they were losing to the Lions, which you know is kind of embarrassing. And they were driving down the field, but they were far way away, right? Um, they were for the last play of the game. You know, pe- most people would have thrown a hail mary, but instead, Baltimore lined up and they kicked a sixty-six yard field goal to Ooh. win the game record justin tucker. justin tucker the the goat
0: of kickers <laughs> quite literally yes
1: yeah yeah um so i just felt like yeah we, we can't forget about it. we, we got to talk about these kickers sometimes especially when they're
0: i just remembered there's a video here i saw on twitter um mm-hmm. i can't believe who this was um the bears no the lions literally snapped the ball to the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> they did oh, uh, that Twitter video uh, would show it if you want to watch it. It's, yeah, we'll, there's we'll literally, literally no other way to describe it other than the the snapper for the Lions snaps just to, to the quarterback, bounces off his chest, and into the arms <laughs> of the Bears. <laughs> oh, <my laughs> that's gosh. the best okay. way to describe this. That oh gosh, it, it's such a Lions <laughs> and Bears thing to, to happen. So of course, yeah, no, of course that Who would have happened happen. to. Yeah, because why not? Um, we got one little tidbit about MLB playoffs. Uh, Yankees beat the Red Sox. The yeah, very the very big rivalry in baseball.
1: Mm-hmm. It was um, wild card round, so win or go home, which is kind of crazy that the MLB you know hundred sixty two game a year, and then it comes down to a one playoff game, um, but. It was, um, the Yankees had a really good pitcher, Garrett Cole, who got destroyed early. He only finished two full innings and he got pulled in the third inning because the Yankees had already put three runs on him in the third. And that's, I mean, you just, you, you can't have that happen. Um, so to knock the pitcher out that early. Also, the Yankees, there were a few things they did that kind of hurt them, work. I don't know. One thing they did that hurt them, and then two things was like, oh gosh, so close. Um, The first is that I want to say in the sixth inning, the Yankees had.
0: Oh, you have it the other way around. The Red Sox beat the Yankees.
1: Oh, sorry. I was yeah. yeah, Sorry. Yeah. I should I should have
0: verified this before we started, but no. I I, I was like this. I I I thought it was the other way around
1: here. Um i don't know why why i said it like that yeah the red sox beat the yankees um but the red sox took, like basically forced the yankees to pull their pitcher after three innings and garrett cole's a great pitcher so that was that was huge also the yankees there was a p- point in the game where uh aaron there was a deep hit and aaron judge was running around the bases and they're their base coach told him to run for home when a lot of people would have said that he shouldn't have gone for home. And then, you know, Aaron judge was thrown out. So that was like a huge out that then prevented what could have been a run. Um, Also Giancarlo Stanton, he looked like he was having a good game. He had two really deep hits. Both of them looked like they were going to be home runs But the problem is is that Boston, they're known for having what's called the green monster because baseball stadiums, they can be basically kind of built however they want. So the green monster is the left field wall, which is ridiculously high. It's 37 feet tall. So Giancarlo Stanton hit two hits that almost went over the green monster that would have gone over basically anywhere um, else. Yeah, anywhere else. But they didn't, and, like, that's two runs off. The, well, I think one of the times there was actually a runner on. So, would like, one of the times it would have been a two-run home run. Another time it would have been a one-run home run. So, like, that's three runs right there that Yankees didn't get because of the way the Red Sox stadium is built. Just th- thought I'd throw that out, the, out there.
0: I'm kind of surprised there's no regulations for that. I mean, it makes it fun, though. It makes because it interesting but inconsistent.
1: Yeah, I true, true. I mean,
0: what's stopping a team from just building really tall walls on every side, just saying no home runs for
1: you, you know? I mean, I I guess they can do it if they want to, if they there's some strategy there, right? Like Exactly, you know. You could <laughs> just, say well we forced
0: like... them to play in a giant box. No home runs. <laughs> it doesn't matter how good you are, no home runs. <laughs> I wanna
1: see some team do that.
0: yeah so just i bet you if somebody did that the rules will change
1: yeah they probably would if they made it a big box um because mlb wants more runs since like people are bored yeah including me
0: i I am not a baseball fan Um, i've been to a a few baseball games i get pretty Mm -hmm. bored after the first inning (laughs) It's just um, not really my c- – for me, there isn't that an- constant analysis of things happening. Like basketball, something's always happening. Somebody's on defense, somebody's on offense, and there's movement constantly. Like You have whistles and stuff, but there's something happening. Uh, football, there's a lot of off time. It's not my favorite, but I'll watch it. I can still analyze mm-hmm. things. Soccer, it's just straight up 45 minutes, halftime, 45 minutes. And, th- and that nope, – Yeah. Yeah so
1: or except for halftime, baseball doesn't
0: really fit into my sort of analytical mindset
1: yeah also baseball is a spending problem where teams spend ridiculously different amounts of money um because like the revenue sharing is is different than in other like american sports yeah and they killed minor league yeah basically they killed the minor league teams so and the small market teams have trouble in the MLB. But listen to this stat: uh, you, you dedicated baseball fans probably already know it, but to show the disparity, the number one spending team in the MLB this year, the LA Dodgers, their total payroll was two hundred sixty-seven million dollars this year. Okay. To the success. bottom team, two hundred sixty-seven million. The Cleveland Indians, who were at the bottom, spent fifty million this year. Whoa. <laughs> yeah yeah
0: Whoa, that's like are there no salary caps minimum salary like
1: no minimum know. salaries and that's a part of the problem and then yeah like there's there's just so much to unpack maybe we'll go into another episode but yeah. one, one, one last thing with that the Tampa Bay Rays who are the one seed in the AL they don't spend much they spent 70 million this year and they're like 26th out of 30 teams in spending. So people like the Rays because they're like, Hey, you found out how to like, you're basically just as you're, <laughs> you know, you're in the playoffs competing for a world series, just like the Dodgers are, even though you're spending 200 million less dollars than the Dodgers are. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, <laughs> But, um, yeah. Well, uh, it's time to, uh, It's time to start previewing college basketball. The time is approaching. November is near. Uh, Late night uh, with Gilbert Davis is just uh, nine days away. Um, So throughout this month, every weekend or every episode is gonna preview one or two conferences power five uh, of course we'll give special attention to the acc and even more special attention to the unc team that will be on the uh on the episode that would correspond to about november 6th but uh this week we're going to start with the big 12 now um this isn't quite going to be how Andrew did college football where he basically ranked every team in the conference from last to first place and with definitive numbers for me, I'm going to be ranking them in a, in a sort of tiering system at the bottom. Um, is the F tier, which is the cupcakes. These are the guys which every team's just going to punch over there. They have there. There's no hope for this team just i literally wrote haha lol nope don't even bother (laughs) um d tier so going up from f tier to d tier is the rebuild category Or there's still no contest but this team's going to be in a rebuilding phase they they might win some games they're not supposed to show some promise but they're they're not really going to be doing anything then we get to the c tier c tier is the bubble uh teams that might not be that good that might be able to put together enough games, uh, enough wins to get into the bubble conversation. Mm -hmm. Then we get to B tier. B tier is a team that I would say is solidly set to go to March Madness. Um, Only week one, probably not going to week two. Then we move up to the A tier. A tier are candidates for the Elite Eight. Um, Mm -hmm. So they'll be ending their season in week two. And then S-tier are your national title favorites. And not much else to say about them, but... Uh, yeah. So, this week, we're going to start with the Big 12. Um, I'm going to start first with F-tier. Uh, so, Iowa State is my only F-tier team in the Big 12. Uh my... Uh, I... <laughs> My comments for these teams are going to vary, and you're going to notice that I put a lot more emphasis on returning players and experience than necessarily just pure talent. uh, Mm -hmm. Because I feel the experience is really going to... It's a multiplier on talent. Uh, So, Iowa State, new coaching, lots of incoming transfers, Uh, TJ Otzelberger has a lot of work to do. I don't see them doing anything this year, F tier. Now let's move up a little bit to the D tier, TCU. If you ever wanted to know if a team of transfers will do well, TCU is the team to watch. Seven transfers incoming, plus a junior conference, uh, a junior college uh, transfer. Very the- little, yes. Uh, Gosh, that's
1: a lot. Yes. That's a lot.
0: Uh, they are not the only team with seven this year, might I add. No way. Okay. Yeah. In, <laughs> in this conference. In really? This conference, yes. Uh, very little experience retained. Basically no returning scoring. It's going to be a very rough year for the Horned Frogs. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, going up a little bit in still within D tier is Kansas State. Now, not too long ago, Kansas State had a really good core of players. Uh, they, like, they'd be sneakily upsetting the big boys. Not this year, <laughs> though. With the sudden <laughs> transfer of Montavious Murphy, all recruits of the 2019 class are gone. This is a really? young... Yes. This is wow. a young team that Bruce Weber has to figure out developing or the pressure the fan base we'll just kick him out really quickly because there is already a lot of pressure to move him along
1: Mm -hmm.
0: let's move up into the c tier we're starting to talk about the bubble conversations okay and uh, Mm -hmm. at the bottom of c tier for me it's a little bit surprising is baylor the reigning national champions
1: oh boy that's a hot take that is a very
0: hot take (laughs) <laughs> That's a very hot take, but when you really look into this, you'll understand why I'm sort of putting them here. The reigning national champions, the team of Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler, well, they're gone. This team brings in a few freshmen, and uh, James Akinjo from Arizona. And he's actually the team's highest D1 scorer, 15.6 points per game while he was at Arizona. Um, Mm -hmm. Though, I do say D1 because on roster is Dale Bonner, whose stats include D2 performances, which amount to 21 points per game. But Mm -hmm. that does include D2. Um, Other than them and Adam Flagler, there is very little proven scoring on this team. So unless a freshman makes a significant jump, which is possible, I can only put Baylor in the bubble conversation. And that's me giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to that these transfers work and that uh, a freshman makes a jump. And also in Scott Drew's ability to get this team to work. But he has a lot of work on his hands rebuilding this team.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: The hardest thing you can do in any sport is retain your title. Yeah. Winning it the first time is hard. Keeping it, repeating is harder. Yeah. So, Baylor in the bubble. Oh, let's move up a little bit more now to so West not- West Virginia. Now, I'm not going to lie. West Virginia has been falling below my expectations for a few years now. Bob Huggins, for a good number of years, has had his team performing really, really well. Getting these upsets, earning rankings in the AP poll, poising themselves for the tournament. But, late, but lately, that hasn't quite been happening. It's hard to pinpoint why. Perhaps the players, perhaps the coaching, perhaps the change in style of the game in college. Um, it's kind of hard to pinpoint why. Uh, maybe everybody just got wiser than them. Uh, the point is, West Virginia this season has lots of redshirt seniors, six of them to be exact. And some really good scoring, uh, returning scoring. They will mm-hmm. struggle with size. They only have two players who are six ten. I think I don't know if they have anybody over six seven, other than those two guys six ten. But they are not in the normal rotations. So the name of the game for West Virginia is going to be small ball. They're going to get bullied by teams that go big. But mm-hmm. if they can get that small ball real efficient. They're gonna win games. Uh, yeah, they're. I think they're gonna be a solid bubble team. Uh, but they really need players like Jalen Bridges and Gabe uh, Osobohang. I I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, but Gabe Osobohang and uh, Jalen Bridges to step up offensively. If those mm-hmm. two can step up, this team is solid for the bubble, if not better. Um. Now we roll up to Oklahoma. Now, Oklahoma seems to have plenty of experience on this roster while also adding a single freshman and a junior college transfer. And five other transfers as well. Uh, The name of the game this offseason has been transfers. But Oklahoma did lose a key player. Guesses as to who he is? I know. Well, it's Brady Manick. Brady Manick you know familiar now um and losing him really hurts their flexibility brady manic good from range good in the paint, good defender losing him is really critical to oklahoma and they also lost their coach lon Kruger, giving uh porter moser the job of fixing this roster given the turnover and uncertainty of the quality of these incoming transfers the absolute maximum i can see for the sooners is the bubble not much better
1: though well the thing here and like i agree with you, losing brady manic is is a huge loss for them and a lot of transfers like and a new coach that's going to be difficult but i'm excited for what Porter Moser is going to do to this team because he well first Lon Kruger like he had that final four appearance in 2015-2016 season and he had some good years with UNLV but recently like he's just been the team's been very stagnant Moser I know everyone remembers him for that final four with Loyola Chicago in 2018 but he kept that team very good after that right a lot of a lot of times, when someone takes a, like a no-name team deep in the NCAA tournament, it feels like it's just they're only able to do something good that one time, and then they jump ship for a big school. But he stayed three years. His next year, they were conference regular season title champions. Year after that, they were they had twenty-one wins, and COVID, you know, prevented them from being able to figure out if they would play in the tournament. And then last year, they made the Sweet Sixteen again. And that, I think that really shows – like, they upset one seed Illinois. They destroyed Illinois. They beat him by 13. Um, so this is a coach who knows how to win with less talent and less recruiting ability? Yes, but I'm yeah. also
0: looking at the quality of the returning scoring here. Right. There right. is and nobody who's hard returning. Hard. There is nobody yeah. who's returning on this team who scores double digits. The closest yeah. it gets is Umoja Gibson with 9.1 points per game. Uh, Redshirt mm-hmm. senior. Mm-hmm. There are two players on this team who have scored double digits uh, average uh, in their college, collegiate careers. Tanner mm-hmm. Groves with Eastern Washington, 17.2. And Marvin Johnson with Eastern Illinois, at 15.3. But mm-hmm. those are two schools that are not in the toughest conferences, which would mean, like, you can't really take that at face value. You're going to have to sort of adjust for the for the for this power conference. Mm-hmm. So yes, right. scoring um, is going to be an issue, but Porter Moser yeah. I think can get this team to tech, assuming chemistry works out.
1: Yeah, right. And I I, I think what I was saying is long term, I think this is a really good move for Oklahoma getting Moser. Short term, like you're right, they they lost a lot and. Um, Like C tier, I understand. I could see them like making it into the B tier level. I think um, these would be. To... Did you already talk about Jordan
0: Goldwire? Uh, I haven't talked about him yet. Of course, yeah. transferring from Duke, he was a solid just rotational and t- Golder, a tool. Yeah. Coach K really liked to use him in just a bunch of. It's not quite similar to Leaky, how Roy used to use Leaky to do everything. But Joel um, Goldwire would be used to do everything, really.
1: Yeah. Duke, um, so him and Groves together are going to be fun to watch. So no. you see, without no. Porter Moser, I
0: would put Oklahoma in the D tier, the rebuild category. But I think this team can perform and and in get into the bubble conversation. But I don't think they'll be much better. Okay, that, that that's sort of my hesitation right there.
1: Yeah, and I, I see why you're saying that. Um, and
0: once we go up a little bit more, you're going to
1: understand why. Uh, like yeah.
0: People in B-tier are B-tier.
1: Right, uh, So, right.
0: I mean, without further ado, let's ju- jump into B-tier. Bottom of B-tier would be Texas Tech. Now, much mm-hmm. like Oklahoma, Texas Tech is undergoing a coaching change. With the departure of the legend Chris Beard for the Longhorns, Mark Adams has had a gigantic um, set of shoes to fall in and has started by bringing in seven transfers and a junior college player as well. Um, mm-hmm. Where Oklahoma and Texas Tech differ, though, is that the latter has significantly more talent remaining. About 31 points per game is, the ret- is returning from last season. But combine that with the 83.7 points per game coming in, though mostly from weaker conferences given Texas Tech can score but the question that's what's going to define this team's season is can they defend can they gel so i think based on the talent on this team they will be solid their defense is going to define their season not necessarily their scoring
1: yeah that makes that makes sense um and Mark Adams has been at Texas Tech for a little while now. I want to say 2016 is when he – yeah, no, 2016 is when he got to Texas Tech. So um, it'll be interesting to see how how similar he – or different he makes the team from what Chris Beard did. Yes. Um, Moving up a little bit,
0: uh, the last team in B tier before heading up to A tier – now, mm-hmm. if I told, if I said the words Oklahoma State last season, who came to mind, or what came to mind, really? Cade Cunningham. Exactly. Good. Yeah. Well, this season he ain't here, but I don't think it's really gonna hurt them that much. That's a hot take. That this is day. a good squad of players, experience mm-hmm. on the court and on the bench, not to mention a few good transfers. Um. I mean, let's take a look at this. So, uh, Isaac Le-ke- uh senior, 9.1 points per game with 6.6 6 rebounds per game and 3.6 assists per game. Oh, and he's a guard. A guard oh. averaging 6.6 6 rebounds per game. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Khalib wow. Boone, junior, mm-hmm. 9.4 points per game. And they're also bringing in uh, a a bunch more transfers, including Bryce Thompson. Now That's he, a huge was, yeah. Now he was rec- being recruited by a bunch of big teams um, out of high school. I ended up going to Kansas, but didn't really work out for him there. I kind of have this hunch he's going to have a revival um, with Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. And just looking at this team, there, just there is. There are not many freshmen. There are, in fact, no freshmen on this team. There is yeah. one freshman, but he's not really a freshman. He's played with Memphis, but he's still going to be considered a freshman because of eligibility.
1: Um, stuff. Uh, Musa Sise. He was a former five-star recruit as well. Yes. So that's <laughs> two former five-stars they were able to pick up in the transfer quarter. I mean, that's huge. <laughs> exactly exactly Mm -hmm. um this team
0: while it doesn't have stars this team is deceptively good deceptively Mm -hmm. good the cowboys are a team that i can see causing upsets during the season and during march keep it they're a team to keep your eye on there's a lot of um hubbub about them being pretty good in, mm-hmm. in certain circles, and I actually really agree with this looking at this roster of experience and talent. Yeah, so uh, we got two teams left. Uh, in A tier, there's only one team Texas. Now, things are about to get real scary. Now, stick with me. The Shaka okay. Smart days are gone after mm-hmm. Abeling Christian, Christian, uh, Chris, yeah, I think yep. Abeling Christian. Shocked the Longhorns during March Madness. Remember that? (laughs) That was a crazy game. Uh, Along um, with Shaka Smart's departure, left with um, Matt Coleman, Jericho Sims, Greg Brown, Kai Jones. Yay, Hornets picked up Kai Jones. Um, Mm -hmm. Those guys are gone. So on paper, you see what's gone out. And you're just like, yeah. okay, that's a knockout punch for this program. Like, they're going to suck. Mm-hmm. Well, here comes Chris Beard in seven transfers with him. <laughs> and, that's more transfers. Yeah. Uh, Texas is real scary. I Like, really scary. Okay. Um, so, let's see. How do I put this? Five of the incoming transfers scored double digits on average. Five of them. So look out for Marcus Carr, who scored 19.4 points per game at Minnesota. Dylan Disu, 15 points per game at Vanderbilt. Trey Mitchell, I know he's somebody you really liked at UMass, scored 18.8 points per game. Timmy Allen, 17.2 at Utah. Christian Bishop, 11 points per game at Creighton. Oh, uh, and Texas also retains Courtney Ra- uh, Ramey, 12.2 points per game, and Andrew Jones, 14.6 points per game. Chris Beard mm-hmm. has a really full tool drawer at his disposal. Mm-hmm. Chemistry might be a problem, but I can see this team charging into the Elite Eight or maybe the Final Four.
1: Ooh, wow, wow. That's
0: Yes, Texas is scary yeah they're just looking at this team there's one freshman jalen tyson wow this team's gonna be really scary but uh we'll see we'll see um chris beard very good coach i don't know we'll have to see but um that leaves us going into s tier kansas now uh yeah. This, I, maybe I might've pushed Kansas a little too high by pushing them to S tier. Maybe they should be in A tier. But Kansas right now is the only blue blood that has not been affected by the blue blood curse or the blue blood plague, as uh, some people call it. That's also blue that, blood uh, like, You know, it's if you remember 2019, 2020, UNC, Cole Anthony, that was UNC getting bit by it. But then they spread it to Duke and to Kentucky. Uh, who both suffered in the 2020-2021 seasons. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Kansas hasn't really been affected by it much. Um, Kansas brings in its normal Hall of Freshmen, but also a trio of transfer guards. Remy Martin from Arizona State, um, Joseph Yosefu from Drake, and Jalen Coleman-Lance from Iowa State. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Each of them has scored double-digit uh, points per game, uh-huh. and um, they're sort of the answer to Bill Self's prayers. He, Bill Self yeah. has been looking for a guard, um, uh, to run the offense. He hasn't had one since Devonte Graham, and that was a few years ago. Okay, at this point, it's right, been a few right. years. Um, he needs somebody who can score, who can spread the floor, and can facilitate offense. He thinks he's found that with Remy Martin. Now, these other guards are going to be useful, especially for the rotation, but Remy Martin looks to be the guy. Um, 3.7 assists per game. I kind of feel it's a little bit low if you want somebody to be facilitating offense. You'd probably want that to be like 4.5 or above, but who am I to question Bill Self? Apparently, he's <laughs> seen something and yeah. likes it. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, On top of that, Kansas has only really lost one player, Marcus Garrett. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, this team has added talent to an already talented squad. Kansas has a lot. They have size. They have guards. They have scoring. I don't know about defense. That's something that you can really only see to believe. Um, But there, I think they're really in the national title
1: conversation. So it sounds like, from what you're telling me, um, Kansas was a good team last year. I mean, they were a three-seed in the NCAA tournament, although they got knocked out a little early. They were good the year before as well. Good, Yeah, really good the year. Yeah, that, that COVID year, oh, man. They had man, a legit if, shot that year. It totally wouldn't have happened, I really think, that um, it was going to be between Kansas and Gonzaga I mean, for the national title. We're the
0: last blue blood to have won the championship.
1: Hey, that's, that's true. Yeah. That's true. I mean, that team, that 2020 team, Azubuki and um, Devon Dotson together, it was just so dominant. But anyways, back to what I was saying. Good last year, three seed. They only lost one player, and they're bringing in a lot. I mean, that that does sound like a recipe for success. Yeah. You know, especially with a coach who's as experienced as Bill Self is. So. I, I can see it. I can see it. Yeah. Um, I definitely think they're the. Well, these tiers that you're saying would probably mean that you agree, but um, definitely think that they're favorites to win the Big Twelve regular season title. Um, I mean, with Bill Self, it feels like every single year they are. Texas could compete with them for it, but it's going to yeah. be a run
0: between Texas and Kansas with yeah. Oklahoma State in there in the conversation along with Texas Tech. You know, they're all in the conversation, but it's going to be one of those two in the top. It's going to win the regular season. Yeah, so uh, we will see. I am so excited for college basketball to come back. Um, Mm -hmm. But next week we'll, uh, or next episode, I guess, uh, we'll be talking about the NBA because the NBA is coming back too. Yes. Uh, and is not long, we'll be talking about the NBA Eastern Conference. Uh, mm-hmm. So, be ready for that. Uh, do tell your friends about us. Please spread the good word. Uh, we do want to grow this podcast and the listener base. So, uh, and of course, thank you for listening this
1: far in. And, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, you got anything else, add?
1: No, thank you all for being here. Yeah,
0: yeah um, Hopefully, uh, we'll, uh, you'll listen in next time, uh, and uh, have a good day.